Introduction to Cartesian Frames by Scott Garabrin. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Introduction to Cartesian Frames, published by Scott Garabrin on the AI Alignment Forum. This is the first post in a sequence on Cartesian Frames, a new way of modeling agency that has recently shaped my thinking a lot. Traditional models of agency have some problems, like they treat the agent and environment as primitives with a simple, stable input-output relation. See embedded agency. They assume a particular way of carving up the world into variables, and don't allow for switching between different carvings or different levels of description. Cartesian frames are a way to add a first-person perspective, with choices, uncertainty, etc., on top of a third person here is the set of all possible worlds, in such a way that many of these problems either disappear or become easier to address. The idea of Cartesian frames is that we take as our basic building block a binary function which combines a choice from the agent with a choice from the environment to produce a world history. We don't think of the agent as having inputs and outputs, and we don't assume that the agent is an object persisting over time. Instead, we only think about a set of possible choices of the agent, a set of possible environments, and a function that encodes what happens when we combine these two. This basic object is called a Cartesian frame. As with dualistic agents, we are given a way to separate out an agent from an environment. But rather than being a basic feature of the world, this is a frame a particular way of conceptually carving up the world. We will use the combinatorial properties of a given Cartesian frame to derive versions of inputs, outputs and time. One goal here is that by making these notions derived rather than basic, we can make them more amenable to approximation and thus less dependent on exactly how one draws the Cartesian boundary. Cartesian frames also make it much more natural to think about the world at multiple levels of description, and to model agents as having subagents. Mathematically, Cartesian frames are exactly two spaces. I give them a new name because of my specific interpretation about agency, which also highlights different mathematical questions. Using two spaces, we can express many different relationships between Cartesian frames. For example, given two agents, we could talk about their sum which can choose from any of the choices available to either agent, or we could talk about their tensor, which can accomplish anything that the two agents could accomplish together as a team. Cartesian frames also have duals. Minus. Asterisk. Which you can get by swapping the agent with the environment, and. And. Have de Morgan duals. And. Respectively, which represent taking a sum or tensor of the environments. The category also has an internal hom. Where. C. D. Can be thought of as. D. With a. C. Shaped hole in it. These operations are very directly analogous to those used in linear logic. 1. Definition. Let. W. Be a set of possible worlds. A Cartesian frame. C. Over. W. Is a triple. C. A. E. Where. A. Represents a set of possible ways the agent can be. E. Represents a set of possible ways the environment can be, and. A. Times. E. W. Is an evaluation function that returns a possible world given an element of. A. And an element of. E. We will refer to. A. As the agent, the elements of. A. As possible agents. E. As the environment, the elements of. E. As possible environments. W. As the world, and elements of. W. As possible worlds. Definition, a Cartesian frame. C. Over a set. W. Is a triple. A.
E. Where. A. And. E. Are sets and. A. Times. E. W. Dot. If. C. A. E. Is a Cartesian frame over. W. We say. Agent. C. A. Env. C. E. World. C. W. And. Aval. C. A finite Cartesian frame is easily visualized as a matrix, where the rows of the matrix represent possible agents, the columns of the matrix represent possible environments, and the entries of the matrix are possible worlds. For example this matrix tells us that if the agent selects A. 3. And the environment selects E. 1. Then we will end up in the possible world. W. 7. Because we're discussing an agent that has the freedom to choose between multiple possibilities, the language in the definition above is a bit overloaded. You can think of A. As representing the agent before it chooses, while a particular A. A. Represents the agent's state after making a choice. Note that I'm specifically not referring to the elements of A. As actions or outputs, rather, the elements of A. Are possible ways the agent can choose to be. Since we're interpreting Cartesian frames as first-person perspectives tacked onto sets of possible worlds, we'll also often phrase things in ways that identify a Cartesian frame. C. With its agent. For example we will say. C. 0. Is a subagent of. C. 1. As a shorthand for. C. 0. Zagent is a subagent of. C. 1. Zagent. We can think of the environment. E as representing the agent's uncertainty about the set of counterfactuals, or about the game that it's playing, or about what the world is as a function of my behavior. A Cartesian frame is effectively a way of factoring the space of possible world histories into an agent and an environment. Many different Cartesian frames can be put on the same set of possible worlds, representing different ways of doing this factoring. Sometimes, a Cartesian frame will look like a subagent of another Cartesian frame. Other times, the Cartesian frames may look more like independent agents playing a game with each other, or like agents in more complicated relationships. 2. Normal form games. When viewed as a matrix, a Cartesian frame looks much like the normal form of a game, but with possible worlds rather than pairs of utilities as entries. In fact, given a Cartesian frame over W and a function from W to a set versus we can construct a Cartesian frame over versus, by composing them in the obvious way. Thus, if we had a Cartesian frame, A, E, and a pair of utility functions, U, A, W, R, and, U, E, W, R, we could construct a Cartesian frame over, R, 2, given by, A, E, where, A, E, U, A, a. E. U. E. A. E. Dot. This Cartesian frame will look exactly like the normal form of a game. Although it is a bit weird to think of the environment set as having a utility function. We can use this connection with normal form games to illustrate three features of the ways in which we will use Cartesian frames. 2.1. Course world models. First, note that we can talk about a Cartesian frame over. R. 2 even though one would not normally think of R. 2. As a set of possible worlds. In general, we will often want to talk about Cartesian frames over course models of the world, models that leave out some details. 
We might have a world model. W. That fully specifies the universe at the subatomic level, while also wanting to talk about Cartesian frames over a set. Versus. Of high-level descriptions of the world. We will construct Cartesian frames over. Versus. By composing Cartesian frames over. W. With a function from. W. 2. Versus. That sends more refined, detailed descriptions of the universe to coarser descriptions of the same universe. In this way, we can think of an element of. R. 1. R. 2. R. 2. As the coarse, high-level possible world given by those possible worlds for which. U. A. R. 1. And. U. E. R. 2. Definition, given a Cartesian frame. C. A. E. Over. W. And a function. F. W. Versus. Let. F. C. Denote the Cartesian frame over. Versus. F. C. A. E. Where. A. E. F. A. E. 2.2. Symmetry. Second, normal form games highlight the symmetry between the players. We do not normally think about this symmetry in agent-environment interactions, but this symmetry will be a key aspect of Cartesian frames. Every Cartesian frame. C. A. E. Has a dual which swaps. A. And. E. And transposes the matrix. 2.3. Relation to extensive form games. Third, much of what we'll be doing with Cartesian frames in this sequence can be summarized as trying to infer extensive form games from normal form games, ignoring the game's interpretation and just looking at what this would entail formally. Consider the ultimatum game. We can represent this game in extensive form. Given any game in extensive form, we can then convert it to a game in normal form. In this case, the strategies in the normal form game are the policies in the extensive form game. If we then delete the labels, so now we just have a bunch of combinatorial structure about which things send you to the same place, I want to know when we can infer properties of the original extensive form game, like time and information states. Although we've used games to note some features of Cartesian frames, we should be clear that Cartesian frames aren't about utilities or game-theoretic rationality. We are not trying to talk about what the agent does, or what the agent should do. In fact, we are effectively taking as our most fundamental building block that an agent can freely choose from a set of available actions. The theory of Cartesian frames is trying to understand what agents' options are. Utility functions and facts about what the agent actually does can possibly later be placed on top of the Cartesian frame framework, but for now we will be focusing on building up a calculus of what the agent could do. 3. Controllables. We would like to use Cartesian frames to reconstruct ideas like an agent persisting over time, inputs, or what the agent can learn, and outputs, or what the agent can do, by taking as basic. An agent's ability to freely choose between options. A collection of possible ways those options can correspond to world histories, and a notion of when world histories are considered the same in some course world model. In this way, we hope to find new ways of thinking about partial and approximate versions of these concepts. Instead of thinking of the agent as an object with outputs, I expect a more embedded view to think of all the facts about the world that the agent can force to be true or false. This includes facts of the form I output foo, but it also includes facts that are downstream from immediate outputs. Since we're working with what can I make happen, rather than what is my output, the theory becomes less dependent on precisely answering questions like is my output the way I move my mouth, or is it the words that I say? We will call the analog of outputs in Cartesian frames controllables. 
the types of our versions of outputs and inputs are going to be subsets of W, which we can think of as properties of the world. For example, S might be the set of worlds in which woolly mammoths exist, we could then think of controlling S as controlling whether or not mammoths exist. We'll define what an agent can control as follows. First, given a Cartesian frame, C, A, E, over, W, and a subset, S, of, W. We say that, S, is insurable in, C, if there exists an, A, A, such that for all, E, E, we have, A, E, S, dot. Equivalently, we say that, S, is insurable in, C, if at least one of the rows in the matrix only contains elements of, S, definition, insure, C, S, W, A, A, E, E, A, E, S, if an agent can insure, S, then regardless of what the environment does, and even if the agent doesn't know what the environment does, or its behavior isn't a function of what the environment does, the agent has some strategy which makes sure that the world ends up in S. Dot. In the degenerate case where the agent is empty, the set of insurables is empty. Similarly, we say that S. Is preventable in C. If at least one of the rows in the matrix contains no elements of S. Definition. Prevent. C. S. W. A. A. E. E. A. E. S. If. S. Is both insurable and preventable in. C. We say that. S. Is controllable in. C. Definition. Control. C. Insure. C. Prevent. C. 3.1. Closure properties. Insurability and preventability, and therefore also controllability, are closed under adding possible agents to A and removing possible environments from E. Claim if A A and E E and if for all A A and E E we have A E A E then control A E control a. E. Proof. Trivial. Insurables are also trivially closed under supersets. If I can insure some set of worlds, then I can insure some larger set of worlds representing a weaker property, like mammoths exist or cave bears exist. Claim. If. S. 1. S. 2. W. And. S. 1. Insure. C. Then. S. 2. Insure. C. Proof, trivial. Prevent. C. Is similar. Closed under subsets. Control. C. Need not be closed under subsets or supersets. Since. Ensure. C. And. Prevent. C. Will often be large, we will sometimes write them using a minimal set of generators. Definition, let. S. 1. S. N. Denote that the closure of. S. 1. S. N. Under supersets. Let. S. 1. S. N. Denote the closure of. S. 1. S. N. 
Under subsets. 3.2. Examples of controllables. Let us look at some simple examples. Consider the case where there are two possible environments. R. For rain, and. S. For sun. The agent independently chooses between two options. U. For umbrella, and. N. For no umbrella. A. U. N. And. E. R. S. Dot. There are four possible worlds. W. U. R. U. S. N. R. N. S. Dot. We interpret. U. R. As the world where the agent has an umbrella and it is raining, and similarly for the other worlds. The Cartesian frame. C. 1. Looks like this. 5.3. A suggestion of time. Cartesian frames as we've been discussing them are agnostic about time. Possible agents, environments, and worlds could represent snapshots of a particular moment in time, or they could represent lengthy processes. The fact that an agent's controllables and observables are disjoint, however, suggests a sort of arrow of time, where facts an agent can observe must be before the facts that agent has control over. This hints that we may be able to use Cartesian frames to formally represent temporal relationships. One reason it would be nice to represent time is that we could model agents that repeatedly learn things, expanding their set of observables. Suppose that in some frame. C. Agent. C. Includes choices the agent makes over an entire calendar year. Agent. C. Observables would only include the facts the agent can condition on at the start of the year, when it's first able to act. We haven't defined a way to formally represent the agent learning new facts over the course of the year. It turns out that this additional temporal structure can be elegantly expressed using Cartesian frames. We will return to this topic in the very last post in this sequence. For now, however, we only have this hint that particular Cartesian frames have something like a before and after. 6. Why Cartesian frames? The goal of this sequence will be to set up the language for talking about problems using Cartesian frames. Concretely, I'm writing this sequence because I've recently found that I have a new perspective to bring to a lot of other Miri researchers' work. This perspective seems to me to be captured in the mathematical structure of Cartesian frames, but it's the new perspective rather than the mathematical structure per se that seems important to me. I want to try sharing this mathematical object and the accompanying philosophical interpretation to see if it successfully communicates the perspective. I want collaborators to work with on Cartesian frames. If you're a math person who finds the things in this sequence exciting, I'd be interested in talking about it more. You can comment, PM, or email me. I want help with paradigm building, but I also want there to be an ecosystem where people do normal science within this paradigm. I would consider it a good outcome if there existed a decent-sized group of people on the AI alignment forum and less wrong for whom it makes just as much sense to pull out the Cartesian frames paradigm as it makes to pull out the cybernetic agent paradigm. Below. I will say more about the cybernetic agent model and other ideas that helped motivate Cartesian frames, and I will provide an overview of upcoming posts in the sequence. 6.1. Cybernetic agent model. The cybernetic agent model describes an agent and an environment interacting over time. In embedded agency, Abram Dembski and I noted that cybernetic agents like Marcus Hutter's AXE are dualistic, whereas real-world agents will be embedded in their environment. Like a Cartesian soul, AXE is crisply separated from its environment. The dualistic model is often useful, but it's clearly a simplification that works better in some contexts than in others. One thing it would be nice to have is a way to capture the useful things about this simplification, while treating it as a high-level approximation with known limitations, rather than treating it as ground truth. 
Cartesian frames carve up the world into a separate agent and environment, and thereby adopt the basic conceit of dualistic Hutter-style agents. However, they treat this as a frame imposed on a more embedded, naturalistic world.2. Cartesian frames serve the same sort of intellectual function as the cybernetic agent model, and are intended to supersede this model. Our hope is that a less discrete version of ideas like agent, action, and observation will be better able to tolerate edge cases. For example we want to be able to model weirder, loopier versions of inputs that operate across multiple levels of description. We will also devote special attention in this sequence to subagents, which are very difficult to represent in traditional dualistic models. In game theory, for example, we carve the world into different agent and non-agent parts, but we can't represent non-trivial agents that intersect other agents. A large part of the theory in this sequence will be giving us a language for talking about subagents. 6.2. Deriving functional structure. Another way of summarizing this sequence is that we'll be applying reasoning like pearls to objects like game theories, with a motivation like Hutter's. In Judea Pearl's causal models, you are given a bunch of variables, and an enormous joint distribution over the variables. The joint distribution is a large object that has a relational structure as opposed to a functional structure. You then deduce something that looks like time and causality out of the combinatorial properties of the joint distribution. This takes the form of causal diagrams, which give you functions and counterfactuals. This has some similarities to how we'll be using Cartesian frames, even though the formal objects we'll be working with are very different from pearls. We want a model that can replace the cybernetic agent model with something more naturalistic, and our plan for doing this will involve deriving things like time from the combinatorial properties of possible worlds. We can imagine the real world as an enormous static object, and we can imagine zooming in on different levels of the physical world and sometimes seeing things that look like local functions. Ah, no matter what the rest of the world looks like, I can compute the state of y from the state of x relative to my uncertainty. Switching which part of the world we're looking at, or switching which things we're lumping together versus splitting, can then change which things look like functions. Agency itself, as we normally think about it, is functional in this way, there are multiple possible inputs, and whichever option we pick yields a deterministic result. We want an approach to agency that treats this functional behavior less like a unique or fundamental feature of the world, and more like a special case of the world structure in general, and one that may depend on what we're splitting or lumping together. We want to apply Perl-like methods to Cartesian frames is also another way of saying we want to do the formal equivalent of inferring extensive form games from normal form games, our summary from before. The analogy is base information derived information. Causality joint probability distribution causal diagram. Games normal form game extensive form game. Agency Cartesian frame control. Observation, subagents, time, etc. The game theory analogy is more relevant formally, while the Perl analogy better explains why we're interested in this derivation. Just as notions of time and information state are basic in causal diagrams and extensive form games, so are they basic in the cybernetic agent model, and we want to make these aspects of the cybernetic agent model derived rather than basic, where it's possible to derive them. We also want to be able to represent things like subagents that are entirely missing from the cybernetic agent model. Because we aren't treating high-level categories like action or observation as primitives, we can hope to end up with an agent model that will let us model more edge cases and odd states of the system. A more derived and decomposable notion of time, for example, might let us better handle settings where two agents are both trying to reach a decision based on their model of the other agent's future behavior. We can also hope to distinguish features of agency that are more description invariant from features that depend strongly on how we carve up the world. 
One philosophical difference between our approach and Pearl's is that we will avoid the assumption that the space of possible worlds factors nicely into variables that are given to the agent. We want to instead just work with a space of possible worlds, and derive the variables for ourselves, or we may want to work in an ontology that lets us reason with multiple incompatible factorizations into variables.3. 6.3. Contents. The rest of the sequence will cover these topics. 2. Additive operations on Cartesian frames, we talk about the category of choose spaces, and introduce two additive operations one can do on Cartesian frames, sum, and product. Dot. We talk about how to interpret these operations philosophically, in the context of agents making choices to affect the world. We also introduce the small Cartesian frame. Zero. And its dual. Zero. Asterisk. Three. By extensional equivalence, we define homotopy equivalence for Cartesian frames, and introduce the small Cartesian frames. Null. 1. S. And. S. 4. Controllables and observables, revisited, we use our new language to redefine controllables and observables. 5. Functors and coarse worlds, we show how to compare frames over a detailed world model. W. And frames over a coarse version of that world model. Versus. Dot. We demonstrate that observability is a function not only of the observer and the observed, but of the level of description of the world. 6. Subagents of Cartesian frames, we introduce the notion of a frame. C. Whose agent is the subagent of a frame? D. Written. C. D. Dot. A subagent is an agent playing a game whose stakes are another agent's possible choices. This notion turns out to yield elegant descriptions of a variety of properties of agents. 7. Multiplicative operations on Cartesian frames, we introduce three new binary operations on Cartesian frames, tensor, par, and lollipop. 8. Subsums and subtensors, we discuss spurious environments, and introduce variants of sum, and tensor, that can remove some, but not too many, spurious environments. 9. Additive and multiplicative subagents, we discuss the difference between additive subagents, which are like future versions of the agent after making some commitment, and multiplicative subagents, which are like agents acting within a larger agent. 10. Committing, assuming, externalizing, and internalizing, we discuss the additive notion of producing subagents and subenvironments by committing or assuming, and the multiplicative notion of externalizing, moving part of the agent into the environment, and internalizing, moving part of the environment into the agent. 11. 8 Definitions of Observability we use our new tools to provide additional definitions and interpretations of observables. We talk philosophically about the difference between defining what's observable using product and defining what's observable using tensor, which corresponds to the difference between updateful and updateless observations. 12. Time in Cartesian frames, we show how to formalize temporal relations with Cartesian frames. I'll be releasing new posts most non-weekend days between now and November 11th. As Ben noted in his announcement post, I'll be giving talks and holding office hours this Sunday at 12 to 2 p.m. PT and the following three Sundays at 2 to 4 p.m. PT to answer questions and discuss Cartesian frames. Everyone is welcome. The online talks, covering much of the content of this sequence, will take place this Sunday at 12 p.m. PT, Zoom link added, recording of the talk, and next Sunday at 2 p.m. PT. This sequence is communicating ideas I have been developing slowly over the last year. Thus, I have gotten a lot of help from conversation with many people. Thanks to Alex Oppel, Rob Bensinger, Svee Benson-Tilson, Andrew Critch, Abram Dembski, Sam Eisenstadt, David Gerardo, Evan Hubbinger, 
Edward Kmet, Alexander Jidalink Oldenziel, Steve Rayhawk, Nate Soares, and many others. Thanks for listening. To help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.